what's up everyone uh welcome back episode two um one that we maybe should have uh waited for a while to bring on is uh is our first guest um someone that i think is awesome that you guys are going to love his he's got some great work he does and he's just a great dude so um we've got caleb jeffries rawhide golf here he is awesome uh he makes awesome products he's awesome to play with uh, he, I've got a great story about the first time we met and, and I can't wait to share it with you guys. So welcome, Caleb. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, and yeah, I, 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 I maybe question the story of, of when we first met, maybe not my, not my, my best moments, but that's okay. <laughs> so, um, so Caleb and I met recently. It hasn't been too long. We're I'm lucky enough to be friends with someone that he's also friends with, uh, Clayton Brown. He hosts an event here in Dallas called the Brown Cup. Um, he's hosted it, I think this was like the fourth year, maybe, something like that, maybe yeah, longer. Yeah, I think the fifth, yeah. Fifth um, it was a super awesome event. Lots of people in the golf industry there. Uh, great golf was played. Great friendships were made. And that's kind of what wholesome is about and what we, uh, one of, one of the things I really enjoy about golf. So, um, the first day we played at, uh, Frisco lakes and Clayton had texted me and said, Hey, Caleb's in your group. You already know who he is. I had already followed him on, on social media. And he said, go have fun with him. I said, perfect. So he rolls up to the first tee and, uh, we haven't discussed this yet, but Caleb's from Canada. Uh, he came all the way to Dallas for the event. And as you guys are well aware, the, the weather's not the same uh, in Canada as it is in Dallas, especially in August. So he rolls up first tee. I don't even think he would hit a ball yet. Um, no. Just straight out of the car, straight to the tee. And, you know, in, in the same, you know, golf fashion that, that I normally have. So I respect that. And uh, we hop on the first tee, kind of all hit it out there. He, uh, he pumped the first one, I believe, out of bounds, right? Correct. Yeah. And it's a match play uh, event. So he's got a match against the, the guy in the group. And he, uh, for the first eight holes or so, nine holes, I guess it was nine holes because right when we made the turn, it changed. He, yeah. he got down, I believe, four. Yeah. And then started battling his way back. But the whole time he's trying to dry his hands off because in Canada, <laughs> he doesn't need a glove. Yeah. So, well, the back, the backstory there is growing up in the Pacific Northwest, Freddie Couples was the man. So thus, you know, my dad doesn't wear a golf glove. I don't wear a golf glove, but in the humidity like that, you know, I learned, I kind of learned my lesson. He, uh, he definitely got the bad draw as well. It was one of those weeks in August where it rained like a tremendous amount. And then it was 100 degrees. So the humidity was high. The sweat was coming. And it was tough. It was just tough out there. So he made the turn, I think, at three down. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, it was three down. And then, yeah, a couple, a couple birdies. And then. And then closed it out just barely. Well, going to the uh, the tenth tee, we grabbed him a glove, and a complete game changer. You know, the front nine he looked like a you know at eight 
10 handicap back nine heels like a plus five. <laughs> I don't I don't think anyone would have ever even thought to do something like this, uh, much less been able to pull it off like like you did. Um, so I'll I'll touch base on what it is and I'll let you kind of talk about it. But he had a Wilson staff bag with and, and an old Wilson staff bag. So we're talking. I, I can't remember what the what the fat, um, fat, fat shaft the fat shaft the yeah. fat shaft staff bag. So I think it released before I started playing golf. But what you guys don't know about Caleb yet, unless you follow him, he he is not only does he make awesome stuff, but he he will paint things and he painted on this bag and I'll kind of let you touch base on it. Cause it was awesome. Yeah. So I have a buddy who works at a, a pro shop down in Vancouver where I grew up. So he had a couple old staff bags and I painted one or uh, maybe a couple, a handful of staff bags kind of previously. I did a, a Ken Griffey kind of bag. I did uh, you know, I've done a couple of different kind of painted golf bags, but so he gave me a couple of free golf bags and I had this Wilson one kicking around. And I was just thinking, well, what would work well with Wilson? It was kind of the red, black and white. And then I was like, well, you know, one of the guys who was a Wilson athlete through Wilson basketballs was Michael Jordan. So I started that and I think it, it took, it probably took me a couple months to get it like finally complete. And once I knew I was going down to Brown cup and that, uh, Clayton's, you know, connection with Wilson golf and all that. I was like, I got to get this done and get this down there. So it was, uh, yeah, so stuff like that's always fun to do. Cause it's just like, you know, the head covers a great blank ca- canvas. And then in addition to that, a staff bag is an even bigger blank canvas to work on. Yeah, super. It was awesome. I, I mean, it's one of those things you see it and it just, it's, it's jaw dropping, like the talent he has and I'll show you guys. So he, Caleb has sent me a couple of things and uh, something that I think I'll use as long as I, as I, as long as I can, it, maybe until I, I mess it up. But uh, I'm a big Derek Jeter fan. And I mentioned that to him and he, uh, so just an example of what he, he did, Michael Jordan on the bag. And I want to show you guys this through the YouTube channel, what, how good it will look or how good it looked on the bag. So I'll show you the Jeter one. And uh, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty spot on. You can tell it's, it's Jeter. pretty legit. Long ways away. And, yeah, it's uh, legit. So I love it. I think it's incredible. I, you know, Caleb, I can't thank you enough for this. Uh, I have been a Jeter fan forever. And um, it really just, it's going to be, it's going to be great on the golf bag. So I hope, uh, you know, a lot of you guys see these and, and you start to realize how amazing Caleb is and his talent and you start to reach out. I think it would be uh, very uh, beneficial to your golf bag. So, um, Brad, I think you should probably see if he'll paint your face on your driver. cover. <laughs> I don't think that anybody wants to see my face, much less see it multiple times when they're out on the golf course. <laughs> so um, throughout Brown Cup, it was few days long Caleb and I got to know each other really well thanks to uh thanks to Clayton and uh it was a blast and we stayed in touch and he's done some other work for me um for I know most of you guys know that I have a foundation for for Hannah and I's son Hank and so I've got those here as well and uh super awesome you know it just he just crushes it you know any idea I have or he has he just, he does great. So um, I've got one that's a surprise for Brad. Um, 
I, he's seen a sneak peek, so it's not a super surprise. But uh, Caleb, Caleb sent us this one as well. And mm. I can't wait to to uh, see it on a golf bag. So for those of you that can't see, it's a, it's a wholesome head cover. And it's the quality of the work is, is second to none, and it's, it's awesome. So I think what we've decided is uh, on the golf course, we'll have a head cover match. And uh, every time uh, someone wins, they get to take the head cover. So um, I'm obviously going to start with it because it's already in my hands. Sorry, Brad. <laughs> You know the uh, the potential of any sort of professional golf uh, and myself was was uh, it was never an option from you know from the day I picked up a club. So we had to you know kind of a new a new strategy. But um, no, I, I so I, I grew up got introduced to the game kind of in my late teens. Quickly started playing some good golf. Was passionate about the game. It was a great way to connect with my father. You know, I think I think like a lot of people. You know, you. you as a teenager, you know, you're trying to find that connection. So that was something that we just bonded over. Um, so, uh, yeah, I went to university, kind of long story, ended up in the finance industry, started to get kind of back into golf after not pursuing it at a university level. I just kind of, kind of hung up the sticks for a while, got back into it. And then, yeah, I don't know what really drove me into it because it, it, it's been a few years, but I just, I was looking at, uh, I had like the TaylorMade R15, it was a couple of years old, but looking at the head cover, it was extremely short in terms of um, how high up the neck it was. Your, you know, your irons are literally rattling into it. Looked at buying a custom head cover, you know, it was a little bit challenging being in Canada, looking at, looking at all of it and then started to kind of explore, oh, well, you know, my mom had a variety of different manufacturing companies. So she had the industrial sewing equipment, had all this. So I went to a old uh, furniture manufacturer, bought some of their like offcuts, made kind of like the Frankenstein version. I still have it somewhere. It's, it's not very good. Um, but then just kind of like just started working on it. I think the, the, the thing that actually drove me and where I've kind of finally got the company to now is I was looking at a lot of the um, the custom sneaker artists, like the guys that paint the NFL cleats for the NFL. L NFL. Yeah, what is it? Nomad Custom? Yeah, well, no, yeah. So there's Nomad. There's um, Mosh is another uh, who does. Yeah. Uh, he's like a big Vikings guy. So I was looking at what these guys were doing. And I was like, that's incredible. Like, you know, that could totally be done on a head cover. Now, I didn't initially start in painting head covers. I mean, it's still, you know, a small overall percentage because if I hand painted every single product that I did, you know, you cool. have, you know, there would be no ability to scale. So I utilize like embroidery, laser cutting, hand cutting, like leather applique and stuff like that. But in terms of like, I think the initial, you know, sort of interest was like, hey, take what these sneaker artists are doing and bring something like that to golf. So you're able to bring in different elements. I mean, I've done, you know, kind of hip hop inspired, athletic inspired. I mean, all these different, you know, cultural things that really come down to golf. And I had no idea where, you know, how it would grow. I mean, initially I made, you know, one for myself and it was like one for a buddy. Uh, a bunch of the guys that I grew up playing golf with were in the golf industry. So got into a few pro shops, got onto a couple PGA tour players bags through some relationships, guys that I know that are on tour. And then, you know, it, it just kind of grew from there and golf such an incredible sport that if you've got this head cover that kind of tells a story, it's on your bag for four hours. So it's going to kind of come in discussion. So it's all, it's all been word of mouth that, you know, there really hasn't, I mean, I haven't made any real sales calls myself. It's just, 
just lots of different in introductions. So started it, it was, it was, it was really a hobby business. It started to kind of consume our apartment. Now it's, you know, I'm coming on two years of doing it full time. I've got a handful of employees and I still love doing what I do. And, you know, especially, you know, getting down to say Clayton's event and getting to meet and interact with people because, you know, doing stuff online is great, but, you know, as you get out to these events and can actually bring out your products, it's, you know, that that's really where, you know, it all kind of comes together. Right. Yeah. I mean, having you at Clayton's event, seeing the talent that you had, I'm sure you're going to get so many people reach out to you because there's a lot of people in the golf industry. There are a lot of people that have cool, cool, unique careers in golf and they're going to, they're going to need some help there. So, um, yeah, I, I think, uh, obviously you've done a great job and you've scaled fairly quickly. I mean, two years, uh, full time and, um, you're growing the brand and, I, I mean, I love to see it. I love what you're doing and I hope to get more, some more action down here in the United States, really, um, especially uh, in Texas. So um, we'll, we'll keep, we'll keep working together. So. Yeah, no, appreciate it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's so big. I mean, Canada, like, you know, we've got a shorter golf season. We've got all this. I mean, we've got lots of great courses. I, I always say that to everybody. It's like, I mean, Canada geographically is a massive country. I mean, most of us reside pretty close to the U.S. border just for trade reasons. But I mean, you know, I'm in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. I mean, we've got, I mean, just there's so many great golf courses up here. I mean, whether it's in Vancouver or you drive down to Seattle, but you know, the the original idea with the company when it was a hobby business was it was like this is a way to play golf, travel. Like it was. Like, hey, this will be like, you know, if I make a little bit of money, I'll spend this to go travel and play courses, meet people. It's just, it's grown way bigger. I mean, you know, the, the, the possible opportunities of different private courses to play through members that I've done stuff for, et cetera, et cetera, is bigger than I would have ever dreamed. So it's just trying to find that, you know, like everybody, right, that fine balance of working in the golf industry, but also etching out the time to make those golf trips and actually get out and golf because, ironically since starting it i golf less because i'm busy but that's just the, so busy yeah you you i mean if you're a business owner there's just so many facets to it but again i i enjoy it and it's like i'm close enough to golf i mean i've had i've had near torturous events where i've you know i've, I've gone down to say las vegas been on premise for a tournament so i'm sitting there at shadow creek watching pj tour pros and people playing their groups and i'm like this is not very very fun because i mean that course is just pristine right and, and like that's right. one thing when you're in your workshop and you're not staring at people golfing but when you get out to these events and stuff like that that's where you go like uh can't I, you know can i not play in this yeah it's tough. <laughs> uh, so something you touched on a little bit there is like some of the people that you've worked with um i know a few just from speaking with you and talking with you about it but um who would you say has been the well let's go the most famous person that you've worked with and um you know if you don't want to if you don't want to throw them out there you don't have to but i think most of them are probably uh pretty friendly with it yeah oh yeah i don't know no for sure i mean i've done like a bunch of different um executives of different companies and stuff like that but i mean the stuff that's more interesting to me is obviously like the professional athletes I mean, I've, I've right. worked with different PJ Tour pros, like I've worked with Bryson, I've worked with, um, I mean, uh, out of Texas, there's Bryson, uh, Dylan Fratelli, Kramer Hickok, a bunch of, a bunch of those guys. And, 
you know, I mean, some of it is just, you know, you meet one and introduce you to the other, but, but the, the ones that are bigger to me is like, uh, I did, I did stuff for Ken Griffey Jr., which I alluded to in doing that golf bag. So through a friend of a friend in Florida, I got a phone call from him, which growing up in the Pacific Northwest, like with the Mariners and, you know, being born in the late eighties, like he's the man. So that, that was cool. Um, a bunch of NFL players, um, a lot of guys that are currently playing. And I think what's, what's really interesting is just how many athletes are playing golf now like and I, and I think that the last dance probably just took it to a whole other level like and and, and without without avoiding the question like i've done stuff for like a Devonte adams and all this but you know so many of these guys golf throughout the season and watching the last dance with jordan a guy who's at, you know at his absolute peak in terms of his athleticism what he was doing he's out on the golf course multiple times right. a week during that run so it's um i would have never pegged the nfl as like a really big market you know being a, it's funny you think i'd have more exposure to nhl players being in canada but just the way the brand's kind of gone and once you do you know a cover for one and they kind of post it reshare it it just kind of takes off and and the pivot that i made a couple of years ago is i stopped really trying to work with pga tour players because it's I mean, you would know Connor, it's just, you know, the, the OEMs pay money to own these guys' bags. So for me right. to try to continue to slip in, I mean, there's only a few equipment free agents that have, you know, the ability to pick any, you know, all, any of their 14 clubs, throw whatever head covers they want on. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's always a battle. So I found, you know, that was, I'd be better off to work with an NFL player who has no contractual obligation to any club cover company versus you know trying to push through the pga tour where you've got you know multiple different competitors whether that's stitch golf you know etc that work there and to right. be you know, if you're not on premise to really kind of manage it it's you know it can be a lot so for me it's just i mean i don't actually actively reach out to these individuals but i just figure it's like being on like a Devonte Adams bag is potentially more influential than being on a smaller tour players bag just because of you know, their sort of reach following and, you know, if you can do something for them, I think, you know, it's, it, it's also kind of a cool story. Right. Well, I think you, you yeah. look at it too, from the perspective of like PGA tour is only so big and you start looking at like the NFL or other, you know, leagues like that, where you get on one guy's bag, one guy turns into there's 50 something, 52 guys on a roster in the NFL. Like, yeah. You, you get one connection there and it could turn into, you know, weaving through. And, and I think too, like it, the uniqueness around it is so cool um, of just how the, the organic of, I guess the organic nature of the connections, I think is what really speaks to the quality of the head covers that you make that you're not having to go out and really push, push, push. It really is true word of mouth marketing, which is, to me is a credit to the quality and uh, of the product, which to, as I've seen in, in visuals and, and pictures, whether it's on your Instagram or even through Connor, um, I mean, they're pretty legit and not going to lie. I'm pretty, pretty jealous and excited to get, to get <laughs> one in the bag um, because, because they're pretty sweet. Yeah, I know. And it's, I mean, it, it, in the early days, it was really easy to kind of say this person came through this person. 
Like it was like, okay, like, you know, somebody, somebody sends me an email in Kansas. Well, there's one person I did something for in Kansas. I probably know where this comes from, but once it kind of grows and scales, you kind of have, you have no idea where it's kind of coming through outside of if somebody says, Hey, such and such sent me, you know what I mean? So it's, it's been kind of fun. So like I say, I mean, I sell internationally. So the, the U S is one of yeah, probably my biggest market, even bigger than Canada, um, just for the individual one-off stuff. That's because you guys are about 10, 10 times bigger than us, but you know, do, do stuff kind of a, a, around the world. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm very blessed in the sense that, I mean, I could sit here and try to come up with different ideas, but so much of, you know, if you look at, you know, my work, it's, it's people that are ordering these things, right. It's, it, I mean, yes, I've got my, you know, kind of creative nature, but I get some people that just give me like kind of home run projects, right. Like somebody comes to me and like, you know, and, and giving me the kind of creative freedom to kind of run with it. But at the end of the day, you know, it, it, it is a customer driven business, right. So it's like the ideas that they come up with. I mean, there's a few things that I've done where I'm like, I would have never guessed that something like that would have been as popular as it was. And you know, it was just a random request from a customer because I feel like as I get older and I'm not that old, but I'm becoming more and more detached from what's kind of popular and cool. So it's my, my customers that kind of keep, keep me, uh, I guess, hip. We're all there. We're all, we're all losing, uh, the trendiness of, uh, what's actually happening. Um, oh. and I, and I thought it was interesting too, that you said that, you know, some of these home run um type of projects you've done so maybe maybe kind of loop in the viewers on, on kind of some of those projects that you've done or some of those unique head covers that you've gotten a chance to work on that turned out to be a massive success or you just thought like whoa this is a really really cool project and i really really enjoyed working on it yeah i know for sure i mean I've, I've done lots of um kind of like they call it repurposing so I've taken apart a ton of different like luxury bags. I mean, that was one that, I, you know, one random customer literally shipped me a bag and said, hey, can you cut this up and make it into head covers? That was followed by baseball gloves. And, you know, I was I wasn't the first person to cut up a baseball glove and make it into a head cover. But I did one for a former manager of one of the MLB teams, where I think the actual original glove was from like 1967. So there's. And things like that have a really cool story. Uh, I was, I think he was the Dodgers and Astros manager or something. So I'd have to go back and, 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 and get the, you know, the exact position, but you know, stuff like that. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, more recently I did a random, uh, when Kanye West went on a, on an absolute terror on his, I think it was like Instagram or something like that. He had to post <laughs> a sign of him holding up saying like, my account wasn't hacked. I did that. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, unbelievable how many people like that i mean i'm a big kanye fan but i don't necessarily know all the pop culture stuff behind it right i like his music not necessarily you know all, all the other stuff that he kind of the chaos that he creates so i mean stuff like that right i mean there's just there's so many stories kind of throughout time and you know uh, one thing leads to the next project and you can kind of see that like you can see me tackling something and then it's like followed up you know a few weeks later with you know something else right like so there's there's momentum that's in the business where you know if I, if I do one baseball glove cover I mean you get x amount of direct messages with people saying hey can I ship you my baseballs you know gloves and then it's like then you know you start taking that and I mean eventually I mean I only post a, like a mere fraction of what I actually work on 
and I'm kind of terrible at doing the social media side. Like it's, I, de I definitely could be doing a lot more, especially behind the process of how I make it. But it's, I mean, it's really tough when you're doing something to step away from what you're doing, step up, you know, take a picture and post it. You sometimes just are like, I just want to get the, you know, get this done. So yeah, almost, almost need like a little intern over my shoulder or something like that. <laughs> We will uh, we will send Brad up there. He can be your intern. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd have way too much fun uh, with that. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, speaking of, like, your uniqueness, just scrolling through your Instagram, uh, you, can, you can scroll through there for, for quite a bit of time, and uh, it's, it's awesome. So I encourage any listener to hop on there and, and take a look. Um, I'm a big uh, Will Ferrell fan, and you've done some some really cool stuff around some movies and things like that that are that are awesome. So, um, so many great characters to pick from, right? <laughs> so we've we've heard a lot about kind of what you do and and your career path and how you got here, and it's awesome. So I want to hear some things about you personally, about your golf life. Uh, something that I ask the other guys and basically every guest will get these questions is uh, I want to know your favorite course and where it is, what it is. If you have a favorite hole, I want to hear about it. And then I want to hear a bucket list course, but you cannot choose Augusta. Yeah. 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 Well, that, yeah. I mean, again, you'd be crazy to not have that one on the list. Although I do know quite a few people that have played it. So, which is like another story. Mm. So, um yeah no so probably my favorite course not i mean i i've been fortunate to play a lot of nice courses but i do think it would probably be pacific dunes just down down obviously in bandon okay. uh favorite hole might be number 11 i think it is it's the second of the two par threes i mean i just think it's just such a fun hole it's a flip wedge but when you throw like a four club wind on there i mean well, it's quite uh, often coming across like it's like started over the pacific ocean then try to, you know, just hit this, like, I mean, if, if, if you're trying to carry it to the flag, it's like a peninsula. I mean, I've, um, uh, my dad had a shot, like literally off the toe and like a near shank that hit, went up the slope and kind of came down to like, whatever it was five feet. And I was like, there's no way you were trying to hit that. So, um, you know, I, I mean, I've played, a, like I say, I've played a lot of great golf courses, but it's, it's obviously, you know, there's, there's so many things that go into a golf experience. I mean, there's a lot of courses you could play that are architecturally amazing, but like the culture behind it isn't as much fun. I mean, there's certain private right. clubs. I mean, I, I've, I mean, I've played a lot of different private clubs and a member at one, but you know, there can sort of be a, it's fun, but you know, there's, there's kind of a cap on how much fun you can actually have. Whereas like when you're down there, it's just, it's pure golf. I mean, all the courses are great, but I mean, again, I think, uh, a nice kind of sunny windy windy like because you want wind down there i mean it'd be nice to play no wind but like if you play lynx golf you want there to be some wind i mean if you went out and played st right. andrews and there wasn't like any wind whatsoever i feel like you'd be kind of cheated so um yeah i would say pacific dunes i know i know you're doing a trip down there connor and i've got another trip coming up and it's it's unbelievable and you, you kind of scratch your head going i don't know which course is my favorite because they all kind of blend into one but yeah i would say pacific dunes um in terms of probably number one on my bucket list like would be sand hills um in nebraska mm. 
So I've got, I've got, I've got a bunch of buddies that have played a number of the top hundred courses. And like for most of them, that's kind of like number one, you know what I mean? Some of the guys haven't played Augusta, but for those that have played a bunch of the, you know, the great courses, like within that top hundred list, a lot of guys just have a lot of good things to say about sand hills. And it's, it's in the middle of nowhere. It's like, it's a corn Crenshaw design, which I've only played one or two of their courses. But I mean, again, they're, they're brilliant in terms of their architecture and it's just the whole experience. I mean, kind of like a band and it's like, you go out there and you can't order chicken. It's like, it's gotta be beef. It's got, you know, it, it, it has a lot of like identity behind it. So I think Sand Hills and the rumor was that you could get on there by writing the, um, the owner, like a personal, cause it's like an ultra private club. But if you write him a personalized note at the beginning of the year, like essentially you get, like you can get a pass and say, Hey, you know, here you go. I don't know if he's removed that because so, people, maybe I shouldn't be talking about it, but note to sell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, I do and I, have a, I do have a friend that has done that. Actually, he's from Canada. Um, okay. There you go. And he played, uh, he played college golf uh, in Nebraska. Uh, he played in Omaha and he, uh, he, I believe he took his dad and it was like, Hey, I want to give this to my dad. And he wrote the, wrote a note to the owner and they they let him do it so yeah um, yeah and it, it, i mean i know a lot of guys who've played i mean i know people that i've met people that have played the top 100 like in the u.s and i've met guys that have played you know a number close to it and it's like i mean as much as it's about the golf it's kind of about the journey about how you get there right i mean it's mm-hmm. like and you know as soon as you start tapping in and you start playing the whatever private course it's like you know 30 percent of the members that i think it's cyprus are members at augusta or it's 30 percent of the members at chicago are also members here right because that's just how it kind of works so once you kind of get in there i mean you can you can do it at any any which pace but i've always said like if i if i ever got the opportunity to play augusta i think i would want to be much older play a lot more courses be a lot more seasoned and then do it. And I yeah. know it seems ridiculous, but I, I know, uh, I know, I mean, quite a few people that have actually played it and every one of their stories is like unfrickin' believable. Right. Yeah. I've, I've heard some amazing ones from there as well. Obviously it's, uh, I don't let our, I didn't let Brad and, and Ryan on the first pod. I didn't let them pick Augusta either for a bunch yeah. of lists. Yeah. Just because it's like, it's on its own pedestal. Obviously we all want to play it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, but I, a guy I know was there the day he was playing. Uh, the lady he was playing with had the first ever, it was like female hole-in-one on number, I think it was 16. She oh, hit the oh, wow. and came down. So I was like, man, like a special experience with that as well. Like I was like, yeah, you know, had the champagne. I was like, man, like, like, you know, it's like already a special day. And then like you do that, I was like, that just takes it to a, a whole other level. Yeah, but you can't you can't buy that experience. It doesn't yeah. matter. I mean, it's just it's priceless, and yeah. that's that's the beauty. I and that's the beauty um, of a lot of those experiences too. Like you talked about, like some of these experiences, like it may not be top ten golf course in the United States, but the experience, honestly, and that's I know that Connor and I are both kind of like that. Of like, we enjoy good golf experiences on good golf courses, but good golf experiences completely change the mindset and the thought process of how you feel about a golf course in itself, because the golf course is kind of just 
four hours of, of what you're doing there, but in reality, or five hours, depending on who you ask. Um, yeah. But in reality, like everything else that it encompasses, well, you know, Connor just got back from Pinehurst and, and playing the cradle and having the part three course. Or, and that's, I think, something that we're starting to see a lot in a lot of these other golf courses and is them really tapping into the experience instead of just only focusing on the golf. And so I think that that's, that's a, a cool thing to, to know. Yeah, and I, and I don't play golf courses the way they're traditionally supposed to be played. I mean, I often play like and I, I'm multiple fairways over. And, <laughs> you know what I mean, so like there's a lot of it's like, oh, like, what do you think about hole seven? I was like, well, I outside of the tee box and quickly getting back to the green, like, you know, I didn't touch hole seven. I was actually, you know, I, I was getting a preview of 13 or something like that. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, let me let me tell you about 13. That fairway yeah, was yeah. awesome. Yeah. When I was playing back into seven. And then when yeah. I came back to 13, hold on, let me tell you about seven because I hit it back yeah. into seven yeah. when I didn't hit it there earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. I know. I, you know, I, I love that. think, that's, right? That's how I play. Outsmart the architect. And that's the interesting thing about golf now. Like, if you hit the ball a long way, you get to a lot of these traditional courses. I mean, they got to start planting different trees and start blocking out because it's like sometimes, the like, I mean, if you play a course enough times, you learn it's like, I'm better to blast it down this fairway it's a better approach shot, maybe, you know, more, you know, more into the slope, et cetera, et cetera. So, but I can't say that every time I do it is on purpose to try to beat the architect, right? Sometimes it's just, just something, something up here. <laughs> well, we'll give you credit. Um, what is the lowest round you've ever shot? Uh, it was 68, yeah, four under. So, and it was funny, I had never broken par prior to that. So oh my I, God. I, I, I had a lot of, um, a lot of close rounds. Like, I mean, there's nothing worse than being probably like, um, not for you, Connor, cause you're a good golfer, but like I, I've, I've been, you know, minus one with like two to play and like you tighten up. I've been even where you're trying to like force something so that you get that red figure. Whereas like, I think I had six birdies that day and like I was cruising and I, I, and then I started missing a few too. Like, uh, yeah, like I say, on the back nine, I, I, I mean, I had multiple opportunities that it could have gone lower, but yeah, I remember, I just remember I was crying on 18, like just, <laughs> just, just cause like, I mean, you know what I mean? It's, and, and that's, I mean, that's the fun thing about golf too, is like, you know, for somebody that's trying to break 80, right. There's these different thresholds. And once you do it, it's like, it's like the four minute mile, right. Like the first guy ran the four minute mile. And then, you know, shortly after that, somebody does it right. I mean, same thing with these PGA Tour pros, right? They watch a guy and they're like, man, he shot 61 today. And then you just see, like, the guy went out in the morning, did that. There's a bunch of lower scores because people are like, all of a sudden, this course is gettable, right? It's like, yeah. so as soon as you can cross those those thresholds and you see so many people that just can't break through. Now, it's not like I shoot under par on it. Like, it's, it's just to do that, all of a sudden, like, there's that weight off because it felt like something that you know it just it felt like it was impossible right you just there's too many strokes to give away right it's like um when you were a kid and you were playing that video game and you couldn't beat the boss and you had to mm. you had to just keep playing it and then eventually you you get it so yeah. for me it took me a long time to break par and now uh now every time i my goal basically unless it's you know something crazy my goal is typically to break 70 yeah. and uh and then if you, you know, if, if you get it going the other direction, oh, no, okay, well, let's try and, let's try and shoot even par, you know, make a couple birdies, try and shoot even par. 
So that threshold you're talking about is awesome. And I think that's one thing that's super cool about golf is like guys that are friends that are of mine that didn't pick it up until college or, or whatever else, you know, later in life they're they could be fighting to break a hundred for the first time or 90 for the first time. And it doesn't matter. We like, no one cares what you shoot. Right. And that's something that it just, we just don't, no one cares. We just no. want you to have fun. And it's, you're, you're battling golf itself. Yeah, no. And I mean, uh, the way, the way I kind of look at it and just changing my outlook, I mean, you know, when you, when you first start golf, golf is fun. And I, I and I, I say this cause like I, I was whatever, 14, 15, I went to the driving range with my dad. He was a low single digit handicap. So, you know, I had the fundamentals just in going to the driving range, but the first time I played, I broke a hundred on like a, you know, proper course. And then, you know, I think it was within a couple months I was shooting in like the high seventies. That's when golf's fun because like, you know, you continue to improve, continue to improve. But, you know, I've, I mean, my goals now are like, it'd be nice to break par, you know, every decade from here on out. Yeah. And if you have that longer term goal, because so many people have these short term goals and, and then are constantly trying to, you know, push, right. It's like, Oh, I got, I, I have to take this shot. I have to take this. Whereas like, if you can have that patient approach where you just say, Hey, you know, so many people like I, I need to fix this in a season. I mean, it's like, well, how many hours are you putting in? Right. Whereas like, you know, doing right. you know, longer term goals, I think is with golf. And that, and that's the beauty of the game because you can play it for so long. Right. It's like, I'm 32. So it's like, I, I, in, in this sport, I mean, my golf is still ahead of me and I'm, I, you know, continue to get better just through being patient. I mean, when I was young, it was a lot of club throwing. It was like, you know, you down, you, you know <laughs> we've all been there. Yeah. I used to play, I used to play against my dad and like, I, I I'd shoot something in the seventies in like, a you know, a school match. And then I'd go out and shoot 95 against him, you know, playing match play down one, down two, trying to force things. And then just, just blow up so it was like i mean it's good but once you get like over that hump you know what i mean it, it, i mean it's it's a tough game but it's not as tough as some people make it right right well um from the head cover man himself we want to know what's on your bag and for the youtube viewers if you don't mind showing it that would be that would be awesome yeah no for sure and let me tell you something about Caleb. He's not going to show his driver because it might still be that R9 that he played. <laughs> I know. Oh. I know. My, my equipment is, is, is a bit dated. So uh, oh. driver, driver, I've got ice cube. Um, yeah. I, I just, I mean, again, I just enjoy listening to ice cube. So, um, and then Fa fairway wood, I've got, uh, Den Dennis Rodman so mm. I, I mean it's funny because I um I only recently put like newer covers on my bags I had I had like an old kind of Kanye one and that I probably had on there for three years plus another kind of random one and it's kind of like the uh the plumber with like the leaky faucet right like I've got so many other projects that are on the go that I never really get to do the, the ones for myself right so at some point I'll have to make an upgrade give it a couple years yeah yeah well those are awesome obviously it's, uh it's amazing work it's awesome talent it's something that i would never be able to do um i can barely uh write my name to where someone can read it so the fact that you can paint on leather or whatever material and make it 
look so real is just amazing to me. So um, I appreciate you. I have greatly enjoyed our friendship, even though it hasn't been super long, but I can't wait to, uh, to watch you continue to grow and be a part of it and, you know, send, send people your direction and just watch the things that you come up with because it is, it's truly special and it's, it's fun to see. So we appreciate you and we were thrilled to have you on. I know uh, you're, you're guest number one and you probably deserve to be in a much, much higher role, but we, we really appreciate you coming on and doing this with us. Yeah, no, no. Thank, thank you very much for having me. And based on the front nine that you watched me play, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe the first guest makes perfect <laughs> sense, right? The quality of the caliber of golf will only go up across these individuals, right? Uh, I don't know. That back nine you played was, was, was awesome. So we will, uh, we'll do it again. Can't wait to play golf again. Maybe we'll come up to, to Canada yeah. and not sweat so much. Yeah, that would be, oh, that yeah. would be nice. Yeah, no. maybe we can meet at uh, Cabot. Ooh. Yeah, I know, I know. I know that's the, and that's that's the East Coast, but that's something that's on my list as well. Got to play it. Got to play yeah. it. I've I've heard so many great things. So maybe we'll meet up there someday. But yeah, we appreciate you. No, th- thanks again for having me. And um, yeah, I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks, Kevin. Take care, buddy. Yeah. Okay, bye now.